0: Okay, but the other one's on. Alright, hopefully, for some of you are facing sound issues, uh, some of you are not online. So, one of the challenges of being a pastor in the 21st century is I get to troubleshoot in my head lots of things while everything else is going on. Um, and so, uh, hopefully, that resolves it. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. Uh, but as we continue in worship, you know, uh, we have a challenge that is before us, and it's not a uh, unique challenge. It's always been the challenge of God's people. That's why we can pick up books of Hosea in the Old Testament. As uh, you know, Paul writes in First Corinthians, the stories of the Old Testament are there to instruct us, to warn us, to encourage us in our path of trying to be God's people. And the challenge is of being in, but not of, the world. The challenge of trying to be God's people in a world that by nature will be different, or ought to be different than us. Or we ought to be different than the world around us. The nation of Israel always knew that. They were being called out of Egypt And into a land, but the land of the Canaan, of the promised land, there was a lot of similarities to the land of Egypt, and their task always was supposed to be, show what it means to be God's people. But be different than a world all around them. That is different than, than maybe our founding of a nation, and the struggle we have now. But we should not be surprised when the world does not look like God's people. We should expect that. People who do not have the spirit of God cannot obey the word of God fully. What we should be surprised about is when God's own people look like the world. And there's, if we... Would see. We may be challenged by Hosea 4 in the charges that God brings against Israel, the 10 tribes of the nation. And we maybe need to sit and ask how, would, if, if, if we set up a courtroom this day, and there's a judge and there's a jury box of our peers. What would the prosecuting evidence of Christ have against his people today? At first we may say, well, 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 I'm not as bad as we may not be as bad as. But neither did the nation of Israel think they were as bad as others. At least not to start. If you will do the devotions with us this week, if You will work with some of the others uh, you know this week, or maybe you know of these words. You know of Proverbs twenty-nine eighteen says, Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instructions. Now the, the King James and the New King James version of the Bible says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. And it... And that's a pretty good translation. My issue with that anymore is we will get people up who can be visionaries and say, here's the vision of what we need to be. But Proverbs was not talking about man's vision. He was talking about revelation. And what was revelation in those days? Well, the second part brings it out. Wisdom's instruction. And if we're not careful and we just take this verse, out of this context, within the, prophet, within the book of Proverbs, wisdom was the personification of God's instructions. That's why the beginning of the book, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I have sat under faithful men and women, both, who at times we would use this verse to try to cast a vision of what people ought to do and miss it. The point wasn't my vision or your vision. The point is the revelation of God. At, when there is no, let me put it in maybe a different way, when there is no understanding of God's word, people will pass off all restraints and go their own way. We, as God's people, must be people of the word. It's not about my vision, the Board of Deacons' vision, or as Budget and Finance will kind of try to flesh out a little bit. The vision of the CE Board for Ministries, those, those are important and necessary. It has to be about the Word of God. Can we see how this will accomplish the word of God? Is this compatible, or or are we have have we? Is this compatible with the word of God? Are we going by the way of the world, which may seem right, but is it for the people of God? We've got to be people of the word. Well, that may sound nice, but. It's not about the, the word of God just being a very good story, but stories were oh so powerful. We remember stories. We remember when someone will tell a story. But we aren't just people who, who understand this book as a story and we know there is something greater. We know that Jesus is, is quote unquote the final word here's the book of Hebrews how Hebrews who is so much soaked in the Old Testament story of God's people whether who it, who first spoke the uh, book of Hebrews we do not know and uh, it doesn't necessarily matter because it's still uh, the word of God. He said this, or she said this. Who knows which one. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. The revelation of God, the prophets, as Hosea will say here, hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites. No prophet ever said, I think this is a good idea for me to tell you this. Hear the word of the Lord, God's people. But, not that anything was wrong with that. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. But Jesus is that final word. John writes, in the beginning of his gospel, the Word was in the beginning, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And all things were created by the Word. And then a couple verses later, it says, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. John intentionally, I'm not trying to get on a a little sidetrack here, but I want to make one point about this. John doesn't say a Word made His dwelling among us in the flesh but he intentionally said the word. And he didn't just say a God, where where the word was a God and was with God, but he said the word was the God and was with the God. Very powerful, and we must remember this. But as I already tried to allude to, We don't just live a book, but we are to live out Jesus. The Bible isn't just a good story that teaches us moral lessons of life, though it does. The Bible isn't just a textbook where we search in order to find the quote-unquote right answers to pass a test. The, the Bible isn't just a, a textbook where we gain knowledge about the way the world is. It can't be those things. But the, the Bible, the Word of God, is meant to be lived out in a relationship of, of, of being in relationship with Jesus. <clears throat> it means to truly know Christ. See, but now we get into Hosea chapter 4. Hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to bring against you who live in the land. There is no faithfulness, no love, no knowledge of God in the land. Hosea brings out this word, acknowledge, which comes from the root word of know. See, Israel knew about God, but they didn't quote-unquote know God. Because in the Hebrew language, the word know did not mean an objective truth one learns. Though it meant some of that. It meant you know something to be true because you live it out. So it's one of those things of, you can't, in the the nation of Israel's founding, and even in their language, what he is saying here is, You can't just say, I know what God has done, and then not live it out. You can't just gain a knowledge and think that knowledge will save. Instead, you really know not of God. There was always connected, an understanding of who God is with a way of living out who God is. who we are. There was never that disconnect that we come to know. So it's not just about knowing the facts about who God is. It's not just about singing songs that he's a good father as we were reminded that's who he is. But how will we live out that goodness of God as another song we sing sometimes may bring about. It's not just knowing the truth, it is living the truth. And we as conservatives, have to, I think, uh, these next lines, are, if I had to say, people of God today, those of us who stand on the truth of God's word and we understand its absoluteness, we must be careful, though. Because what was the outgrowth of the fact they didn't know God? The outgrowth was this, there's only cursing, and he didn't mean cursing as if using profanity. Myths, meant basically kind of trying to push somebody else down, that they were unworthy of who God created them to be. There's lying, there's murder, there's stealing, there's adultery. They break all bonds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. The land dries up. All who live in it waste away. The beasts of the field, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea are all swept away. The issue is, because of their lack of knowledge, the nation of Israel became oppressive towards others, and not just others on the outside, but others on the inside. If we were to go back maybe just 100 years earlier in the history of the nation of Israel, there was a king by the name of Solomon, maybe a little more than 100 years, or maybe 150. Solomon knew God. You, you remember his story, and those of you who don't remember his story, I'll try to highlight it. Him. He, you—I mean, he—he heard the word of God unlike any king after him, because God said to him, "Solomon, what do you want? I will give you anything. I'll give you anything." No other king had a conversation with God like that. They had an intermediary, maybe a prophet. Even David, I don't recall, had an actual meeting face to face with God like Solomon did. I could be wrong, and I will reserve the right to say I was wrong later. Um, You know, but but Solomon had this. And he said, I want wisdom. I don't know what I'm doing. What a great starting point to his people. And he got wisdom. And then he didn't just get wisdom, he got wealth. He got an expansion of a kingdom. He got peace from wars. But unfortunately, sooner or later, he never knew that wisdom again because he went down a path where it says in Scripture, the nation of Israel started to imprison their fellow Israelites. They failed to see, to remember, to acknowledge, to know, not just mentally, but know with their whole being that they too were in slavery once, all of them. And we can be people of the truth, and we must be people of the truth, but if we're our, if our becoming people of truth, we become oppressive towards others, we're missing the points. Us as the church globally, maybe not so much locally yet. Where in our quest to be the truth bearers, we are uh, demoralizing, we are uh, being oppressive not towards those on the outside of the faith, but those on the inside because their their understanding of scripture doesn't match. of ours. They may be off by 1%, and we're willing to say to one another, You're not good enough. You say, Well, that doesn't happen around here. Yes. Sorry, I shouldn't say that probably as a pastor. But you heard it. We do. We do. We, we claim we may be bearers of the truth, but we are starting to demand that everyone lines up 100% of the time, or you're no longer just a Christian, but you're someone who's outside the truth. Friends, I, I just saw this uh, earlier this week when I heard a uh, a fellow, I guess he's a pastor, I, I should not talk bad about the Lord's servant. He went to say very publicly that Women should not move farther ahead than the men in their walk their of faith because they need to be submissive to men. Which means that I get to control Alicia's faith. Men. Yeah, good one. Good luck. Two. Two and I mean this very sincerely, if you think you are responsible for someone else's faith and walk, and they got to do what you say to follow Jesus, you're on the wrong side of truth, friends. I can't control Alicia's faith any more than she can control mine. And I'm not getting in the way of her or God. I can encourage you to follow the path of righteousness. And that's what the nation of Israel wasn't doing. The spiritual leaders failed in their task but I cannot force you to obey Jesus, but I can stick Jesus on you like a dog is going after somebody else. And If you don't think I won't do that, I will. But if any spiritual leader says they have the right to tell you what you are to do and what you can read, what portion of the scripture you can read and not read, then you need to, you need to go as far away from them as possible. They may be true in 99.9% of the way, but that is not the way of Jesus, because as the the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter, we all are priests of the kingdom of God. And I believe that wholeheartedly as a Baptist. I have the Holy Spirit, you have the Holy Spirit. And if, if our truth, if we grow up in truth without growing in grace, then we will have a charge against by God to us that you are just becoming someone who beats others up and hope they love Jesus. Jesus was full of grace and truth. Who did he beat up? Who did he beat up more than any others? The Pharisees, the religious right of the day. They had all the rights. They had all the truth, but what they were doing was burning the people over and over and over and over. And Jesus said, I had enough. This is what's happening here. See, they can either be that way, or as we read here, it talks about uh, how the priests have rejected knowledge. Oh, they may have known of God, but they weren't living it out, and they weren't encouraging others to live out. You have ignored the law of God. And so, because you have ignored me, God says, I will ignore you. The more priests there were, the more they sinned. The more they exchanged the glorious God for something disgraceful. And it will be like this, like people, like priests. If we look at the issues in our world today, we must realize that part of the issue isn't just the world, has failed, though they have. But I would expect that. The issue is the spiritual leaders of the world. You and I, as God's people, have failed in our duty. I'm not sure how many. I can come up with some. You know, we have issues in our communities. So Guys, know that. Do we have issues in our community? Okay, if you don't believe it, go out on uh, South High Street and you will see spray painting on some of the signs. There's issues. And it would be easy for us to say it's just their fault. It is. You, you don't know this, but uh, the other week uh, we had an ad thrown out of church. It hit the PBS sign. Well, It was great, great All right? The door downstairs. That's why we now have a video doorbell. It's right out here. I don't mean to scare any of you, but we want to kind of keep an eye. Is it just their fault? Oh, yeah. Is it the parents' fault? Yeah. Well, where's the church in this? Where am I? In this? Am I am I okay? that We have kids running around with no space. Got to put up our pants and say let's get to work. The issue isn't just simple. People will be simple. The issue is, is God's people aren't getting into the world enough where we have created the space for kids, teens, adults, and all those who aren't walking in the way of Jesus where they can belong and hear of the grace and truth of Jesus where we can challenge them to go, guys, it's really dumb to throw an in at a door. It's really dumb to spray paint a sign. It's really not in God's plan that you live this way. But they come to realize that they are in love, and there is grace, and there is truth in Jesus. We've got to be about that somehow. I don't know how. I'll be honest. I don't got enough extra times in my day anymore. I don't think I ever do. I don't have enough times in my day anymore to try to figure out how to how to help uh, people at 11 o'clock at night. Because believe it or not, I'm, I'm maybe getting to bed some days. But not all days. Well, that isn't just my job. You know, we have a great great uh, ministry in our church. It's not called that. No, it's not. But you know, every Friday night, a group of kids, and these aren't kids that probably, about half of them aren't in a church, period. But they go where they can find grace and belonging and love. And you want to know where that is? Daniel, where is that? Every Friday night. You weren't there this past Friday. Yes. Mm, I don't know. You get fed. Logan, where is that? Teen Center. Center, Teen Center. Library. Right, okay. There's lots of kids there, aren't there? Lots of different kids there, aren't there? Some of them are great kids, right? Some of them aren't as good kids, huh? You got to choose your friends wisely. But there is every single week. Maybe, maybe the first thing we as the church need to be doing is praying for those who are doing that. It's led by a fine Christian lady, Lisa Crusher. She should pastor her own church someday. That's my vision, not hers, or maybe not even the words, but that's me. Fine. Do you even need to build that? You know? Now, that's one day a week, and right now the summer, it's one day a week. It's not, she doesn't have the hide. But what are we as the church? That's what CE Board has been struggling with, and that's what they're, they're presenting an option to budget and to finance next week. That's not the only option. But we I believe we, as First Baptist Church, St. Paris, is called to step into the darkness here, so there is a place where people start to realize Jesus loves them. This I know, but they don't know, because the Bible tells us so, but they don't know the Bible yet. And we gotta, and I'll tell you, this is messy stuff. This isn't going to be nice and neat. See, on our world, and even in our Christian faith, we want nice and neat. We want, it's either this or it is that. It's either black or white, right or wrong. And the problem is, sometimes Jesus came and he just kind of threw all that a little bit together. He ate the tax collectors and sinners. Oh, how dare he? He also told people, go and more. you know, it was a both-and approach to life. And we must get in the messiness of life. I hate to say that, but if I have come to find out Jesus' sense of humor is, I were with people that if you would have told me I worked with five years ago, I would have said, you're nuts. And so am I. I'm still nuts, maybe you're nuts. <laughs> no, there are things that, that, if you heard some of the things I hear, you'd be appalled. And you'd probably question my faith. Just because I sit down with someone doesn't mean I agree with them. Just means I'm sitting down, with okay? Let us not forget that Jesus to up. And I want us to be careful that we don't fail in our duty, and in our desire to be right, we don't become oppressive to others. In our desire to be right, we do not fail to remember that the role of the Holy Spirit is to invent. By my life, right, others maybe should be convicted, but I don't always have to point out their sin. And if I'm willing to point out their sin, I better have done the work to take the plank out of my own eye before I look at the dust in their eye, Jesus said. Thus saith the Lord, not me. I think part of the issue is in America, and I think this is our church to some extent, we want Jesus' light. You know, we're on a health phrase like this, like that. We want what we want. We just want it to be a little bit healthier for us. And then if we're not careful, we let that go into our way of spirituality, where we want enough of Jesus to get into heaven, but not too much that it changes anything. You know, there's a there's a meme that goes around uh, in my uh, Facebook feed quite often that talks about uh, churches that are looking to be pastors. You know, and, uh, you know, churches in general. And you see in the picture, you see the church on the inside, the closed and the door. And they're holding it shut really, really hard. And then you look on the outside and it's Jesus. And the saying is, don't let him in, he'll change everything. <laughs> uh, friends, I've, I've worked and I know of many pastors who have struggled with churches. Who will tell their new pastor now? That to the credit of this search committee, seven years ago they made it very clear I was not to change much. Uh, no, they really did, and I appreciated that. There was not—that was, was honest. And really, we haven't changed much. Some of you are like, "Yeah, right, you're a liar." <laughs> but, but really, if you go back to ten years, there's—I mean, our order of worship is still about the same. You know, our structure is still the same. Preaching is still about. We haven't changed really much. You know, I heard stories. They have people who want to come in and change. I mean, change, change. I mean, we changed some carpet, but not a lot of carpet. Even. You know, I know we joke about that. It's been headaches so and many other conversations. But see, uh, I've worked with other pastors, and I know of other churches where they will tell their, that in the search process they will say, "Yes, we're open to change." but they're not open to change once the pastor gets there and says, what about this? Okay? I'm not saying we need to change a whole lot. I think actually we're pretty darn good. But if I would have come in seven years ago or seven and a half years ago now and said, we're going to start a food ministry on Wednesday nights, and we're just going to serve people, you want to know what others would have said? Yeah, right. You're just going kind to of find the door. There's a reason it took us four years to get there. And now look at it. I, you look at it, the Lord is good. All the time. And all the time he was good. You know, yes, I've change some things that I know some of you have not been happy yet. Yeah? But we can't just want things the way they've always been. We can't just have the Jesus that we, that we grew up on. We can't have Jesus' lights. Because see, Jesus said, I want all or nothing. The problem with the nation of Israel, their unfaithfulness, their lack of knowledge from God, is they wanted enough of that of God, but not so much of God that it may they had to be different. And God's people, we can't play that game with them. He says, I want it all, or I want nothing. And he says here, finally, you want of Israel? I have been faithful to the end. I have met my covenant of obligations to you. I have done everything I was supposed to do, but you didn't want me. And so guess what? You can get what you want. But I'm going to protect these over here. And that's the end of chapter 4. But don't you start going to others. Don't let Judah become guilty, verse 15. Do not go to these places and and swear as surely as the Lord did. You go ahead, Ephraim Israel. You go ahead, but God is going to protect his people. He. I don't know about you, but that's a very scary predicament to you. If we're not careful, we will go, shame on them. And we won't ever hear maybe the Lord go, shame on them. What about we're, we're Where's your lack of acknowledgement of God? Not because you don't have the head knowledge, but your life doesn't look like Jesus' life. What may that be? I said, I think it's important. We see it, we hear it again. We cannot grow with truth without growing in with grace. The two go hand in hand. And, and if you know more of Jesus, but you are less gracious as your pastor who loves you, I think you missed it. And if you are more gracious but have less truth as your pastor who loves you, you missed it. You've missed it. It's both and. It. Grace and truth. It is to be faithful, daily. The gospel of Jesus is too important to become passive in our love. There's too much need. There's too much that needs to happen. The gospel of Jesus is too important to become passive in sharing it with others. Do they look different than us? Yes, they ought to. But it's too important. The gospel of Jesus is too important to not uh, disciple others, to be people who disciple others who disciple others. Though they may look differently and they will not be sinless, are not sinless, and we stay faithful, and we proclaim the truths of Scripture, we proclaim it with grace of Scripture, and we keep going on, and if we all we do sometimes in our relationship with others is we pray the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus upon people, we let Jesus handle some of this. That's messy. That means we will deal with things in our world that we don't want to have to deal with. But that's what we do. That's why many centuries ago they talked about the church being a hospital and not a museum. You don't go to the hospital because you want to stay away from sickness and pain. Any nurse or doctor or paramedic will tell you they don't go there to they don't know the scenes in hope, but they don't see any pain or suffering or sickness. Right? And, you know, that would, that's not your job. You know, step in. We, as the people of God, the church must never become a sanitized hospital, but we must have the germs of sin and we must allow the blood of Jesus to be on top of that, to be the medicine, the balm for the, the needs of the souls of you, of me, of everyone. And yes, it may mean we get sick ourselves. It may mean we get hurt ourselves. But we have a Lord who is faithful. We have a Lord who is the great physician. We have a Lord that is there saying, Come to me, all. For weary, and heavy-headed, and I will give you rest. But, friends, no more Jesus' lives. That's an offense to our world. That's an offense. No more oppressing one another because we think we know what Jesus would have to do best. No more yet. No more But let us continue to be different this day and all. Lord Jesus, we come to you now. We ask that you would continue to be with us in all ways. Lord, continue to be with us as we worship you in its spirit and in truth. Lord, help us to know you well not just as a head knowledge, but to know you well. So Lord, we just ask that you would help us to grow in our knowledge of you. Help us to uh, see who you are in all things. And Lord, may we just rely on you in every step of the way. And so Lord, as we continue to worship through this final song, I ask that you would just help us to, to, to let you have all of us. So that we can find out the truth of your word. And when we have you fully, all else compares. Nothing compares. All else fades away. And so Lord, we thank you for this time. And we ask that you continue to be with us, we prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to change the last song. Um, and those of you online, get the words up. And then those of you who normally look at the screen, I will get the words up in about 30 to 60 seconds. We're going to go to the hymn 638 I need thee every hour. Because I don't want us to think we can leave here just thinking about the Lord Jesus if we're not willing to let him have all of us in these days. So, uh, please stand as we, you know, um, sing this hymn, this new hymn. So sorry, Sarah, uh, with that. And, um, you know, we will uh, go from there. So I need the other hour. If you can stand, please stand as we sing hymn through 638.